0: because again, mm-hmm. Signal Integrity was a new, the new kid on the block and it didn't really have any file formats. It didn't really have any, any nucleus of interaction in the industry. So we invented the IBIS open forum. Um, and again, it's still there today, but um, that's why we say I was the father of IBIS.
1: Hey everyone, it's Judy Warner. Welcome back to this week's Ecosystem Podcast. Today I'm joined by signal integrity expert Don Telian of the Sci Guys or Signal Integrity Guys. Don has over 40 years' experience in signal integrity and, in fact, is known as the father of IBIS. He's going to tell us a little bit about how he and a group of collaborators launched that signal integrity model format during his days at Intel. We're also going to talk about a nifty cheat sheet or an SI cheat sheet that he has that comes from his book, Signal Integrity in Practice. He really focused on the pragmatics of signal integrity, and I think you're going to learn a lot from Don today. Make sure you go check out the show notes. Everything we talked about will be down there, and I'm sure there'll be a lot you'll want to tap into. Without further ado, let's jump into our conversation with Don Thielen of the Sci Guys. Hi, Don. Thanks so much for joining us today. I'm delighted to have you join as a first-timer to the podcast.
0: Aha, Judy. It's an honor. Thanks for having me.
1: Well, why don't we kick off by sharing with our audience a little bit about your professional background, and uh, we'll start there.
0: Okay. Yeah, I've been doing signal integrity for 40 years. Count them, 40 years, which is remarkable because we've only called it signal integrity for 35 uh, but uh, <laughs> the first half of that, I was with the big boys, uh, meaning Intel, Cadence, Hewlett-Packard, uh, and for the second half, I've been a uh, consultant, working for myself at SciGuys.
1: SciGuys, so let's talk about SciGuys. Tell us about your consultancy and what Si Guys or SciGuys is all about.
0: Yeah, yeah, you know, it's been a fascinating journey gotta say, I love it. And, uh, basically I just hop on the hardware design teams and I figure out where the problems are and, uh, help people win and succeed. And then I'm gone. And they say, who was that masked man? He, uh, we, uh, (laughs) hopefully they, hopefully they send the check, but (laughs) that's pretty much what I do. So it's, that's been amazing because at this point I've, I've been an I don't know if chameleon is the right word, but I've just kind of learned how to fit into the hardware team and uh, do what they need done and then work with their layout team as appropriate to make sure they translate. You've got to translate signal integrity into layout or nothing happens.
1: Yeah, well, there's that. I always say... <laughs> you know, those chips sit on these little things called circuit boards, and um that's where all the trouble happens these days, it seems like. So um, well, I found you, Don, as you know, through um through our mutual friend Eric Bogatin. And I heard you were on his podcast. For our audience, I'll share that link because I thought it was really good. And one of the things I learned about you and why I wanted to learn more about you is your interesting title that Eric gave you, which was The Father of Ibis. So can you tell us what where that came from? And I'm sure there's a good story behind that.
0: Yeah, yeah, thanks for that, yeah. No, Eric didn't invent that. That has followed me around for, gosh, since 1992, for over 30 years. Ibis just celebrated 30 years. On my website, there's a picture of us cutting Ibis's birthday cake so that's that in itself I think is pretty stunning like what standard lives for more than 30 years and has you know 25 member companies and so on um but most of the story is told on that podcast do you want me to give the abbreviated version here yes
1: yes please yes oh
0: marvelous marvelous well we we raised our hands at Intel we were at Intel I shouldn't say we, it was, I was, this is another distinction I have. I was the signal integrity group at Intel in 1989. (laughs) We, there's probably hundreds now. (laughs) Um, But again, we were barely calling it signal integrity. So we raised our hands and said, "We'll, we'll help design the PCI bus. And to do that, we had to invent this behavioral model thing. And the story is also told in my book, right there, chapter seven. Yep. Um, and I I was given an unlimited amount of uh, equipment and resources and and uh, college co-ops and one of those was Arpad Meranyi who invented this thing this Ibis temp that we called it. So anyways, we used that to design the PCI bus. Then then we went on to design the uh, the interconnect around the first Pentium, and we had to give out models somehow mm-hmm. for all that stuff. And there was no I mean, uh, giving out a silicon model was fraught with problems, right? Because of silicon process, blah, blah, blah. And so we just bundled up our little template and we had an Excel spreadsheet at the time that had VI curves and we started giving out the models and all the simulation vendors went wild. And they're like, well, let's, let's standardize this thing. So we got nine EDA companies to agree and in four wow. meetings we resolved the 1.0 spec
1: wow that's that must be a world record in any committee oriented standard <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah it was it was you know honestly it was it was a lot of fun and it just it went fast because it needed to happen because again mm-hmm. signal integrity was a new the new kid on the block and it didn't really have any file formats it didn't really have any any nucleus of interaction in the industry, so we invented the Ibis Open Forum, um, and again, it's still there today. But um, that's why we say I was the father of Ibis, but not a kind of an absentee father because they yanked me uh, after those four meetings and put me on the next Pentium or I don't know what it was. It was, it was uh, but it right. was that was that was a fun little blip in my career, and uh, and we went on to do more stuff after that, of course.
1: So what is it about those IBIS models that have made them persist for 30 years, do you think?
0: Well, 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 let's say what we mean by those IBIS (laughs) models, because if you compare the 1.0 spec to the 7. whatever, oh my gosh. So it's, it is... You know, there's been guys like Michael Mermack, Mike Labonte, you know Bob Ross, who have carried the spec through generations and generations, and and and, like we're going, we're going ten thousand times faster. So so something had to change in the spec, right? So they've just, right, of course, they've they've taken the collaborative spirit we we've started this thing with, and they've just. They've just kept that alive, so that so that the standard has input from all the right people, and the party's oh, still that's happening.
1: Great. That's very fun. What a that's a very cool title to bear, and a, and a great story. That's a neat a neat little feather in your cap, I would say. Oh, so um, the other thing that um, sort of put you on my radar was um, Signal Integrity hosted a webinar that I believe is sponsored by Cadence in which you did a keynote. And let me see, um, well, you'll have to remind me of what the name of that keynote was, but you shared in that talk um, an SI cheat sheet. So I thought, oh my gosh, our community needs to, to learn from you hear about that, and tap in. So why don't you start out by telling us about that keymo- keynote, the things you covered, and then let's dive into what the heck your cheat sheet is.
0: Okay, that's that's great. That's two questions in one. I wish I had my little yes. props with me, but I'll try to do it anyways. Um, the talk was called S plus I, right? Signal integrity equals dollar sign. So it turns out if you put a, a i over an s you get a dollar sign (laughs) which rich melitz showed showed in one of his talks one day i thought that was the funniest thing so it's s plus i equals dollar sign and it's how to succeed in a career and signal integrity um
1: which i love that
0: yeah yeah i don't know if anyone's ever attempted that and so now that i'm 40 years in, I hope I succeed, you know, uh, uh, but I've, I've been doing it for a little while. So that was really interesting in itself, uh, to just talk about what it is we do and why we do it and how we do it and so on. Um, but the thing you asked about that was in there that I think is of particular interest to your audience, Judy, is, uh, the so-called cheat sheet. And so if you don't already have a print out of this cheat sheet you can get one on my website uh you'll probably link it right Judy in this podcast
1: i will i'll sh- um, I definitely will
0: it's at the end of chapter two in the book here um and what it does like it was a gutsy move like i s i don't I don't think this has happened either I said let's just put on one page what everyone has to do <laughs> So, uh, and at any data rate, um, and so, so one axis is, is data rate and then it's kind of a cheat sheet it's also sort of a checklist. So people have printed that, they put that on their wall, they keep it in their back pocket. Um, cause one of the things we have to do, um, I mean, even today you might still get asked to to do a three gigabit per second link, you know, and so how do you switch your head from doing thirty-two to three, right? And so things change. Things have changed. That's about twenty years of history, and so the cheat sheet has the the columns to kind of orient you in in time and space, data rate, and so on. Um, and it's kind of yeah, it's it's abbreviated, but it's it's helped people. So I'm happy about that
1: yeah it seems like a quick ref- reference guide, right? Yeah. and yeah obvi- yeah and and what I also noticed about that is it reference pages in your book. but I want to talk about that as a separate point. So can you share like a few points that we can maybe give our audience some few takeaways? And then, like you said, i'll I'll make sure we we click back to your website where they can download it themselves.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I think one of the biggest things, and in fact, this is at the top of the cheat sheet, as you move faster and faster, of course, your edge rates get faster and faster, right? But then people fuzz out and they go, wait, picoseconds, and you know I don't wor- I don't live in a picosecond world. so, there's a chapter in my book that translates that into a uh, feature size, meaning a dimension on your PCB. Mm. Okay. Okay. So, you know, around uh, a, a, around eight, six gigabits per second, all of a sudden the length of a via in a normal PCB became something you had to think about. Okay. Now mm-hmm. thinking thinking about it means that the that edge rate at that data rate um, is going to see that feature. Okay. Um, okay. So, 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 in other words, you got electrons running from the transmitter to the receiver and they encounter these, we might call them speed bumps along the way. Okay. And, and mm. that changes with how fast your edge is. So, anyways, if you have a very fast edge, you, you, you see more things along your way to the receiver. And so, uh, so how, how big a feature is this electron going to see? And, and, mm-hmm. and it doesn't just see it, it responds to it. If it's impedance is different, it bounces off. It goes, oh my goodness, this is, I didn't sign up for this. Uh, you know, I'm on a hundred. Right. This thing is 40. What's going on? You know? And so it starts, I see. it starts bouncing off and reflecting around and, and basically messing up signal integrity. So that's a very key line where I, I give the dimension of the relevant feature size. So basically, if you have, if you have a, uh, a, a connector pad or a via that is larger than the relevant feature size, then you need to match the impedance of that feature. Did any of that make sense?
1: Yeah, it totally did. And I love that, okay. So that's the first one. You got another goodie for us?
0: Oh, absolutely! I'm glancing over to, on the side here. There's there's about twelve, top ro- twelve things over there. I know. Um, I'm
1: not going to ask you to tell us <laughs> <this> all, but <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, um, like it tells you at, at one point, you switch from forty five degrees to curvy routing, and and you know, if if anyone wants to debate that, I give the chapters in my book. And you can read about that. You could still debate it. I uh, I think another interesting thing, and this sort of dovetails into the feature size. There's two more things that you really got to watch out for, and one is the the stub length. Oh, um, huh. yeah, stubs and stub. There's stubs hiding in places like let's say you have a connector pad here, and you have
1: mm-hmm.
0: you have a. Can I even do this? Let's say you have a a finger coming down onto that connector pad. Well, out here mm-hmm. is a stub at certain frequencies. I'm like, oh my okay, goodness! Okay, not a
1: via stub. Uh, no, okay. just the
0: connector pad. Like they're trying to get this solder I joint got it. right. Right. So it, it, if this mm. thing misses and comes over here, all of a sudden I have this. <laughs> so so I have an article in Signal Integrity Journal, like like oh no stubs. You know what are you know where are they and what are they? So anyways that. The length of irrelevant stuff, Eric Bogatin defined that long ago, but you have to keep an eye on that at different frequencies. And then, of course, the amount of loss that you're allowed to, insertion loss, that you're allowed to have between transmitter and receiver uh, is, um, is a number that keep, keeps getting larger and larger with data rate, okay? And that's because equalization keeps getting better and better with with data rate and because you can't avoid it um but there was a time there was a time around gen 4 or in the in the tens of gigabit per seconds when when discontinuities ruled the day and they Mm -hmm. that's what was making uh systems fail okay now we're up in the 30 db of loss range and oh my gosh um now, now, loss is is starting to come back and and, and somewhat rule the day again. Uh, so, but we can do this. It's okay. Uh, and if you notice, listening to me talk, sorry, I'm all over the place this morning. Um,
1: no, it's good. I... I
0: keep I keep talking about uh, transmitter and receiver um, because one of the things I mm-hmm. assert in my book is signal integrity has become serial. Okay and so i'm Mm. not trying to ignore the famous ddr right which is which is a tremendously complex deal but as your hardware engineers know most of their designs they're cutting and pasting that these days because it's so tremendously complex
1: Mm. that's interesting okay i want to i have a follow-up question for you so forever there's been this debate over right angles versus curvy lines on traces. Uh-huh. Okay, you clearly stand in the curvy trace line. Can you, like, without us going way far down the rabbit hole, um, can you give us an idea of, of the conclusion you've come to as an SI expert?
0: Yeah, I don't think it's complicated. Um, and on my website and in, in all my reports for customers, I always link this particular article and I think Eric's on that one. Sorry, I'm fuzzy on on that again. That's okay. It it simply shows. I'll get it. It simply shows how much extra metal is, is, is there if you make a 90 or you make a 45. Mm. And so in a world where like nine mils of stuff is starting to become relevant, um, yeah. Just think about that extra metal trying to go around the around the edge. So, so I'm not necessarily a fan or not a fan, um, but I I do get to watch a lot of designs. I'm involved in in you know dozens of designs, and right around 16 gigabits per second, we switch to Kirby Kirby.
1: Okay, good to know, because. This debate has been going on forever, and I was in RF for for quite a while, and, you know, everything's curvy um, on those boards, and and then there's people like, we debunked that 15 years ago, (laughs) you know, and I'm just in the middle going, okay, you know, I believe you, I'm not an engineer, but it's really interesting, this debate, so I thought I'd try to pull that out of you.
0: Well, my tagline on my business, oh, sorry.
1: No, go ahead.
0: My tagline on my business is real data no nonsense. And so uh I love that. Anyone who reads my book, it's just a lot of pragmatism really, you know, and um and so I I I don't get emotional or heated or real in the middle of those those uh shall we call them religious those debates. Debates because <laughs> we got to get product out the door, right? I mean, we got to we got to stay on schedule. Yeah
1: yeah yeah so it's not so much about ego like what works and how do we get it out the door as fast as possible?
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: makes sense to me. okay now I want to um, circle back if we can Don to your book now um let's see signal integrity and practice even the even the title is pragmatic I like it so we know your cheat sheets in there, but as you know there's been, Many a book written about signal integrity. Why did you choose? Well, when did you write it, and why did you write it?
0: Oh, I've written it over the last few years, um, and and like you know, Eric Bogatin says in his review, like this is this is the book that tells you the stuff the textbooks don't tell you.
1: Mm, um, okay.
0: And so that's I thought, gee, Eric, I wish I had invented that. I mean, that sort of that sort of sums it up because I don't there's like maybe one or two equations in the book. It's not it's not your textbook per se, <clears throat> but it is about the practice. Okay, because because every day I mean some people could tell you there's this process for doing signal integrity and I'm even one of them, but Every day it feels like I'm inventing it afresh. Like, what's really relevant in this design? Where is the problem? How do we get in, get out, not waste our time, do enough, but not too much? You know, so, so this is where there's a fair amount of, um, uh, Eric called it nuance. You know, I'll call it, I'll just call it skill experience. There's, there's some stuff you need to know that. Unfortunately, that you know the the tools won't tell you. Tools are tools, right? Mm. My oh, hammer won't build my table. Okay. So so tools are, are tools, and they're fantastic, don't get me wrong. But I can do a lot of good with my hammer, and I can do a lot of mess with my hammer. I can waste time with my hammer, <laughs> right? Or I could be productive. Right. So I guess. I guess I like to think what's happening in here is here's the other side that maybe no one's telling you. I mean, right, why write another textbook? They're they're great. There's so many out there. They're they're really right. good,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know. So, but here's the other side. Uh, I hear it's really uh, easy to read. One of the reviewers on on uh, uh, Amazon likens it to the Feynman lectures, which maybe were entertaining. I'm not, I'm not sure what he meant by that. Um, but, uh, it, yeah, it, it, I don't know. I mean, my, my, those of my family say they don't understand what's going on there, but I think engineers, uh, particularly hardware engineers will pick it up and go, oh, this makes sense. Like this is, this is no nonsense.
1: Well, and it sounds like, your focus on how do I solve this problem? And of course there's all this math and of course there are all these tools, but here's where to look and here's the usual suspects and here's how to fix it Like in, in practice, right? Perfect yeah. title.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I yeah, I, go ahead.
1: With the focus, with the end in mind, like old Wayne Dyer used to say, begin with the end in mind, right? So the goal is to get a, a functional, reliable, electronic system out the door
0: yeah and and i mean as a consultant that that's what gets me paid so maybe that helps me focus there but you know i don't get paid just Mm -hmm. to sit in here in the morning okay i don't get i don't get paid for showing up i have to i have to i have to produce something and and so that's uh that that maybe helps keep me on on task i don't know
1: keeps you honest Okay. Well, we will definitely share that. And I really like how you've impact. Um, yeah, that it's Signal Integrity Impact. You really, you nailed the title, I think, along with the, the things you said is plenty of textbooks have been written. So between your, um, you know, which is a big reason I wanted to share you with our audience is, Um, all of your knowledge yet, but you've baked it down into really practical ways to apply it and succeed, which everybody who's listening or watching wants that, right? So it's, uh, with all, with the speeds and complexities we're working with, it's, um, Al Neves says it at, particularly as you get into the higher speeds, he goes at 56 gigs, everything matters, everything and things that, you know, we didn't think matter. They all matter. Um,
0: well, thanks for that. I hope it's, so, I hope it's helpful. I mean, I, I, I don't want to over promise, but, but, you know, this is, this is the goal. I'm at this stage in my career where, you know, it's, it's, uh, I don't want to sound phony, but it's, I think it's really relevant to get the next generation spun up and, and, and succeeding, you know, because, no, no, uh, I
1: think we, I think we all share that at this stage, like time to pass pass ye old baton. And so people like you passing that on is, I think, so valuable. And whenever I've, I've worked for a while, when I was at Altium, I worked with tons of EEs, but they were all younger. They were the up and comers, right? And learning so much. And I always try to say, you know, so much has been baked into your EDA tools and stuff, but everything you're doing today, we're standing on the shoulders of the Eric bogatins Don Thiele, and, and, you know, and and to be able to recover, like what you learned along the way, and pass it away around, I think, or pass it along, I think, is really critical. So I appreciate that. Thank okay. You. Um, now, when when I did my my previous podcast, I used to do something called uh, Engineers After Hours, and besides a really Talented, gifted engineer with lots of years of experience and learning through life and the hard knocks. You have a couple really interesting uh, side hobbies and interests. So why don't you tell us about that?
0: Uh, like you mean counting the stars or painting bedrooms or which yeah, one? Yeah, no. Well, know let's about?
1: just start with the drums. Let's just start <laughs> with the drums. <laughs>
0: uh yeah yeah in fact there's only a djembe in this room here sorry about that um but uh yeah i was a pro drummer before i went into engineering and And so i still kind of do that
1: like when you say pro drummer like in what context oh what kind of things did you do
0: well, I mean, come on. It was the 70s and 80s. I mean, this is when music was used. Yeah, music, you and I right? are from the
1: same era. That was like <laughs> the real, when they, when they actually made music. Do I sound old and bitter? Just a little.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so I had, I was in the Bay Area, the, the uh, San Francisco Bay Area. And, and so I, I played all around there. We would put on tuxes and, and play classy music or we would play really loud or Latin or whatever. And I had 80 students at the, at the music shop and uh, I made a living at it. Wow! so that's a fun diversion, you know? And now I live up in the Sierra Nevada and so I play around the Yosemite area and uh, started teaching again but not doing that right now.
1: Well, you and I were, were emailing back and forth and it cracked me up because you said Oh, yeah, I was up at Bass Lake because you knew I would just been there on vacation. And you said I've been training there. And I'm like, who would want to learn signal integrity at Bass Lake? I was really confused. And so I asked you, what kind of training you're doing? So tell our audience what kind of training you were actually doing.
0: <laughs> okay, I will. Um, but But- some people do want to do trainings at Bass. Signal integrity trains. I've hosted a couple of the big companies, really, both at Yosemite and at Bass Lake, to come up and do offsites. So if your company is thinking oh, about an offsite, cool. we can even okay. train that. But but no, I was training for triathlon, which is a bunch of crazy people who race. They jump in water, they swim for a while, then they're dripping wet and they ride a bike, maybe. 18 miles an hour for so far, and then they jump off the bike and they run, and then you go, and you, and and everyone claps. Yeah. (laughs) So that, but John
1: Teeling, until what?
0: The lesson for the engineers listening. So listen to me, guys and gals. It took me 30 years to learn that sitting at a desk is. Is very difficult on the body. Huh? So make yourself Indeed. get out there and move. And so so in, in my fifties, I started doing this triathlon stuff with my daughter, who's a national champ, by the way. Um <clears throat> and wow. uh and that rescued me from a lot of atrophy, a lot of health problems, and so on and so forth. So that's the takeaway there. <laughs> Engineers well, I love that. Get up and move. Uh,
1: yeah. Well, and to, you know, put my own little story in there. When COVID hit, I had been ignoring my health, eating whatever I wanted, sitting at a desk all day and aging badly, I think, physically. Um, and when COVID hit, I just decided I have time to eat right and exercise. So I started walking, walking, walking until I got up to five miles a day. And I thought that would be good for my knees because I had one like sort of bad knee that hurt me sometimes. So I did, and I lost like 35 pounds and I got healthy. And everything works better. I need some muscle now though. So you've really made me feel like a slack. Thanks, Dawn.
0: <laughs> well, that wasn't my I intention. feel like a but... slacker
1: after you. No, but- I know. No, it's actually inspiring. It's actually very inspiring. So what fun, fun hobbies and what an interesting life you've led, Don. Thank you so much for for everything you do, um, for for uh, letting our audience get a chance to meet you and learn from you and hopefully connect with you on LinkedIn or, or somewhere else. We really appreciate coming on and sharing all your great knowledge and the interesting things you do.
0: Well, again, Judy, it's an honor, and uh, yeah, I'd encourage your listeners, yeah, do reach out. Um, I actually do respond, and uh, again, I'm at that stage in my career where, you know, it's, uh, I, I mean, Judy, I've worked out of my home office since 96, wow. 1996, so it's it's kind That's of fun to uh, see real people now and then and, uh, and talk and relate, so uh, all the best. All of you and your careers, and thanks for what you're doing, Judy.
1: My pleasure. Don, will will we see you? I forgot what you told me. Will we see you at Design Con?
0: Maybe not this year. Pretty oh, sure that not makes this year. Me sad. Pretty sure not this okay. year. Okay. Every other year at okay, least. Okay. Well. So so. Okay. Uh, well, I wish maybe I could we'll tell you next year. Yeah, 2025.
1: Okay. Okay. Sounds good. Well, to our listeners, I trust that you've enjoyed this conversation and learning from the father of Ibis who runs triathlons, plays drums, and writes books. Other than that, he's not that busy besides having a huge family, but I hope you've enjoyed getting to know Don as I have. Please go check out the show notes because everything we've talked about, I will put there as well as Don's LinkedIn profile. So make sure to connect and go look for his cheat sheet and his book. And I'm sure that will benefit your career. We will see you next week. Until then, remember to first like, subscribe, and connect with me uh, on LinkedIn and all the usual places, or also become part of our engineering community at the ecosystem.com. We'll see you next week. Until then, remember to always stay connected to the ecosystem.